Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Kirk Winston of Crowbar. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Sonny Landreth, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. On episode 124, we've got a special guest for you. Joining us, Eric talks to Sonny Landreth, uh, the name synonymous with excellent guitar playing. He's been on uh, several of Eric Clapton's Crossroad guitar DVDs and festivals. He will be coming into Pittsburgh on the 29th of October to do a show at Diesel. Uh, you can get tickets at elcoconcerts.com uh, or you can get them at the door. That's going to be again October 29th. So we're going to talk to Sonny. Uh, really uh, underrated, kind of flies under a lot of people's radar, especially in the rock and metal community. So great chance to kind of expose you to what he's all about. Before we get into that interview, we're going to play a track from a local Pittsburgh band. This is a track called Downtown Sugar from the band Longtime Darlings. Uh, you can find more information about them out at thelongtimedarlings.com. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy the track. Uh, they've got a bunch of gigs going on in the air. This is from their first full-length release. Again, thelongtimedarlings.com. This is a song called Downtown Sugar. And then we'll talk to Simon. <laughs>
Today on the Iron City Rocks podcast, we have the great Sonny Landreth joining us. How are you doing today, Sonny? Well, I'm doing great. How's it going there? Great, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, just want to just want to uh, go through your um, let's see what's going on in the world of Sonny Landreth. Um, I know there's quite a lot, and um, let's talk a little bit about how you uh, how you got all started. I know you started out as being a, like a trumpeter. Yeah, actually, uh, trumpet was my first instrument, which. Um, I began playing when I was 10 years old, and uh, then I got my first guitar when I was 13. Um, for me, playing the trumpet was uh, uh, my academic world at school, and learned to read and play in the orchestra and the marching band. And uh, playing the guitar, you know, learned to play in bands and do that on the weekends. So I was, it was um, trying to uh, sort of balance both worlds, which uh, I think actually helped me in the long run. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's you definitely have the uh, understanding of the theory, and you can read the music. And yeah, and, and the other thing too is, I, I, since I started out with as a wind instrument player, then my phrasing uh, I approached guitar differently, and I think that that helped me, sort of set me on my path in, in, in uh, finding a, a more unique approach in the way of thinking about um, the concept of playing the guitar. So. And, uh, a friend of mine, Robin Ford, started out playing the saxophone, and he's one of the greatest guitar players in the world. You know, mm-hmm. so it's um, it's an interesting thing to to start with one instrument and then to switch over and carry that some of that with you. Sure, yeah, it makes you a more well-rounded player. I'm sure. Well, I hope it did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, um, you you were born in Mississippi, but later moved to Louisiana. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the, you know, there's the art. They talk about the uh, Acadian music and uh, and whatever, or Cajun, whatever you'd like to call it, and the Zydeco music and all that. Yeah, we moved to uh, from Mississippi to uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, when I was seven years old, and uh, that was a a, a great thing for me because uh, of the culture here with the music and food and dance and art um, it's really unique and part of that was uh, Cajun and Zotico music and um, and hearing that as a kid and, and also jazz in New Orleans and I, I just took it all in and I think that um, having that as a backdrop uh, enriched uh, my uh, concept of playing music and in terms of having um, having that as part of the culture here. Mhm. Yeah, definitely. Now you talked a little bit before about how the uh being being uh initially a wind instrument player had a big impact on your phrasing and mm-hmm. and all that. But uh, can you dive a little deeper please on your technique and kind of you know what makes you different from other slide players and uh you also use a phrase called the music behind the glass if you could talk about that a little too please. Well, what I do, I play slide guitar, and that's my main thing. And that comes from an old Delta Blues um, tradition, where they would take a wine bottleneck or several of any other kinds of things to use to slide on the strings of the guitar to emulate somewhat of the uh, Hawaiian players that they heard coming through those towns way back in the day. And um, it, it creates, it gives the... Um, uh, there's more potential to have a vocal quality about that sound, and that's what hooked me in. And I figured out a way to use the slide. When you're doing that, the strings don't touch the neck. Uh, they float with the bar or whatever you're using to, as a slide. And I figured out a way to use the fingers of the same hand and combine the two and to create different uh, different effects and different sounds. Do you sort of chord as you do that, or is it just like picking individual notes? Well, it's all of the above, and and um, and some of the mojo really is the uh, 
sort of the clash between the overtones of uh, I use glass um, for the slide and and the clash between that and the fretted notes and there's some oscillations and sounds that I've learned to control with my other hand with the right hand technique um, to and and what actually happens is it creates a more complex sound on stage and I, I play in a three piece band it's just guitar bass and drums but that gives me plenty of room to explore that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely unique. That's 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 really great to to under, to hear that, and you make it look so easy too. Well, I'm glad I do. <laughs> <laughs> it looks easier than it is, but that's okay, you know. And I, um, I, my whole my goal was always really to to emulate my heroes in such a way that the story songs and to support the the lyric of the song and what the song was about and I think that's the uh the great thing about slide guitar the as I mentioned the potential to create a lot of different kinds of sounds uh opens that up more mhm who are some of your heroes Wow, more than I can count I started out you know one of the early ones for me was uh, Scotty Moore and Elvis Presley's band and then Chet Atkins was a huge influence for the finger picking. Oh yeah. And and the blues heroes, all of the Delta Cats, and in particular Robert Johnson, and that that got me into uh, bottleneck slides. So the the two of those, the combination of those two, really in particular, set me on my path. I think in, in the bigger picture. Mhm. Now, if we could uh, shift gears, if you will, and talk about your gear, uh, I, I know I, I've seen a lot of pictures of you in video playing Fender Strats. Um, is that your go-to guitar? I guess usually. Yeah, it is. I, I'm, I'm, it's funny. I grew up playing Gibsons more, but um, when I began working with John Hyatt, Ry Cooter had played on the album we were out supporting called "Bring the Family," and that that pushed me into playing the Strat more and. Uh, and really just kind of stuck with it after that. It's, there's a versatility about it that lends itself more to um, the approach that I have for playing guitar. And uh, and I love them. You know, they, I have my road strats I take out, and I've got others at home. But when I'm in the studio and we're recording, I, I pull out my Gibsons, too. So it's, uh, you want to create different um, textures, and it's a good way to change it up. Sure. Have you modified your strats or like used any particular effects or amps or anything like that? Well, for the guitar, the main thing uh, I started doing a long time ago, I discovered um, putting a heavier gauge of strings like the 13 through 56. And that, uh, for relief in the neck, it gives you more uh, height and you adjust your action so that you get, uh, you can still intonate and uh, you have your, uh, that uh, plus the uh, height gives you a, a better sound, more sustained with the slide. Uh, so that's really important. Mm-hmm. And um, and for effects, I, I don't really use a whole lot. I've got a few pedals that are kind of my survival gear, regardless of the backline, you know, amp that I'm playing. If I don't have my rig, because we fly through all the most of the shows, then I I don't I can't always take my whole rig or anything like that. It's sure. harder and harder to do that. When we do bus tours, great. You got all your gear, but uh, I've, I've used different amps over the years. But uh, mainstay is the Demeter TGA3 and uh, the Dumble Overdrive Special. Mm-hmm. And pedals, uh, if I've used like say with a twin, uh, there's a couple. Of, uh, there's a lot of great pedals out there, but a couple of my favorites are the um, Zen Drive and the Masferatu uh, Alfermetta, and um, also, uh, full drive pedals are really great. They're killer. 
and Mike Fuller. Everything he makes is great. And I'll, I'll use little delay pedals, different ones. Uh, the TC Rex is about uh, my favorite of all those in terms of, um, you know, getting a, a digital pedal that sounds analog but still has uh, some of the best uh, components of both. And chorus every now and then to change it up. Sure. Now, you had mentioned uh, you've collaborated with John Hyatt. I also know you've collaborated with Jimmy Buffett and... Uh, well, on your on your album from the reach, and I, I know other times uh, many many other people. But uh, can you talk a little bit about some of those uh, relationships and collaborations? Well, what happens is one thing leads to another. I tell these younger players that all the time, and you never know who's you never know who's going to be in a room or hearing you play. And also, that person will introduce you to somebody else that will introduce you to somebody else that can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I started doing session work. And uh, that's exactly what happened. That's how I ended up working with John, John Hyatt. And that came at a time when there was a lot of focus on him with this great album we were talking about called Bring the Family that had Ry Cooter, Jim Keltner, and Nick Lowe. And from all of that press, that that literally took me and my band from playing in bars to um, um, a much... Uh, bigger arena in the way of uh, international gigs and also here in the U.S. and other countries. And um, that really opened the door for me. But um, that uh, the songwriting part was just a, a huge in- influence and so important. And, and I, I realized that my guitar work uh, was centered around, had always been centered around the song, but how to get that out and to crystallize sort of all of these influences from back home and and I think that's really important. You take that with you. You know, it's the thing that you bring to the table that's different. It's really important. And all of the above. That's how I met. Um, you know, started doing session work and uh, meeting people like Vince Gill and Mark Knopfler, and I became really great friends. And mm-hmm. he played on an album of mine. I played on his and did shows with him and so forth. And, um, so you make these friendships, and that to me is really the the bigger part of it because. Uh, I mean, I've been really blessed to have the opportunity to work with people like that, and it's great to to get in there in, in the studio and work with them. But even more so to become friends, and um, and that's uh, really important to me. Sure, sure, definitely can't put a price on that. Now the um, the album you did from the reach, you know that that in, that included like pretty much everybody. So um, well, these are my heroes, you know that. Uh, that fortunately I got to be friends with in, in one context or another, uh, worked with them in different capacities. and um, So I, I, I'd never done a guest album like that. It's something I had in the back of my mind. And, of course, everybody's done that, and it's a bit of a cliche. And, and I was trying to think of, well, how can I do this to make it differently? And that's when I got the idea to write the songs for the guests to play on, specifically for them. And that really opened the door in in a way of um, finding, um, you know, avenues that I wouldn't have otherwise and having that give and take between them. And also their enthusiasm about the project, that really fired me up and was even more inspirational. Mm-hmm. And you, this was your first album to release on uh, your uh, independent label, with Landfall right. Records, too, right? Yeah, and that's, that's huge. And um, I'm really happy because... Um, Things really change with labels, and and fortunately for me and people like me that have been out doing it uh, for a time, um, it's worked out really well uh, because 
having control of your masters is really important. Oh yeah, and that's the thing you give away. And unfortunately, the catalog suffers. So that, and by by that, what I mean is, people want to buy the older uh, albums you've done, and I have no control over it. And in fact, some of those are out of print, are really hard to get. So we're backtracking, pardon the pun, and trying to uh, get a hold of those uh, as well. And I hope to have all those to. Um, they're kind of like you know they're my kids. If I if I had kids I, and I don't, that's the best I can do. Sure. <laughs> and and uh, so that's my goal, and it it's been great. It's worked out really well. We we re-released um, um, the albums I made at uh, the Welk Music Group for Sugar Hill, and uh, remastered everything, added bonus tracks, and changed up the design of the package somewhat. And, it's it's just the it's sort of the big picture and what you do and it can really make a, a difference. Yeah, a lot of freedom to do what you want to do too. Well, you know, fortunately, I've always been, I've always had that in all of the situations I've had at whatever labels. But the uh, the main thing, like I say, is when you retain the rights to your masters, then you you control your destiny to be able to keep uh, selling those or to add tracks to them or, or you know make it even that much better. Sure. Do you have other artists on your label too, or are you the only no, one? No, man. I'm, I'm all I can handle, <laughs> and I'm not sure how good of a job I'm doing of that. But uh, it's it's strictly just so that I can put my music out and have control over it. And it's something that um, I have a team. We have managers and have booking agents and uh, and business managers, and this is something we've been working on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And starting these relationships up with a with a distribution and how you get all that done and airplay and so forth and sure so um it's uh, I've been blessed it's worked out really well yeah that's great now there's a new album that just came out this year called Outward Bound and I I don't know when it came out I was trying to figure out what month or how recently this year it was released well Outward Bound is actually you're talking about my, the BMG catalog and that was first released in 1992 oh it's a reissue. Uh, well, you know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I have a, those. Is, uh, that's one of the ones we're um, looking to. Uh, I'm hoping to get the rights back to those as well. Mm-hmm. I think what they've done is they've combined Outward Bound and South of I-10 and put them together. Is that was my last understanding I had of uh, of that. And that's that. You know, it's 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 funny how that things happen in cycles and there's an interest back now with the earlier work like that and uh and bmg has been sitting on the the masters for all these years and i'm glad to see it that you know kind of having a light of day and, and out and where people can get them so that's really good mm-hmm. what is your when was your most recent studio album uh released well, we did, from the reach was the last one. So that was the last one, okay. Yeah, but in the meantime, we uh, got Levy Town back, which was originally I think released in 2000 on uh, Sugar Hill. So we remastered that and added bonus tracks and a separate disc. In fact, it's an expanded package, mm-hmm. and um, we're able to offer up, um, songs that had never been released before that had sitting uh, in my hallway for nine years and reel-to-reel tape. Uh, so it was great to to get those out, too. So that, that's some of the kind of things you can do uh, when you have the control to do that. Sure. Now, uh, the current tour that you're doing, how's that going? And uh, it looks to me like you're probably touring sort of the West Coast and kind of working your way across. We are. We're doing um, – we have a show in St. Louis on Labor Day weekend. Uh, we purposely left holes in the schedule so I can – 
finish recording. That's the main goal to to get the new album out um, for Jazz Fest next year, which is end of April, beginning of May. Jazz Fest in uh... at, at New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Okay. And um, so in the meantime, we're we're doing these runs of dates, and yeah, you're right. We're we're doing a um, run of dates in California. And uh, then at the end of the month, we have a run of dates in Texas with uh, Eric Johnson. We're doing a, a co-bill. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. And uh, the last time we, we played a festival um, right outside of Austin, he came out and sat in and ended up playing like half the set with us. It was it was a blast. Uh, whenever we get together, it's, 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 it's incredible to be able to get to... You know, feel the spark from him. Yeah. Me up even more. Yeah, he's so energetic live. I know that. Yeah, he's amazing. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, the new album has does it have a title yet? And um, like, did you talk a little bit about running. it? I have running, so I hold off on. I don't have a whole lot of information for you yet, but I'm, I'm working on all of that. Sure. And this but, uh, one thing I can tell you, it's, it'll be a a first all instrumental project. And, oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So that's a that's a different whole different ball game in a way. I've always had an instrumental or two on on the on the albums, but um, this will be the first uh, complete project, uh, all instrumental. Oh, that's that's awesome. That'll that'll really be enjoyable, I'm sure. Now I you're, hope so. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm, I have no doubt in my mind. Now you're coming to uh, Diesel in Pittsburgh uh, on October 29th, so that's that's a little ways away, but it'll be here yeah. before we know it. So it sure will, and that that's a pretty longer run for us. We're going to do a bus run with that, and it's like for three weeks. And we start out on the East Coast and make our way across the Midwest before mm-hmm. we get home. Yeah, and I think you're hitting New England after that, and uh, coming back down or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now your uh, your official website for those who don't know is it's uh, sunnylandreth l a n d r e t h dot com. It's it's a really nice site and everybody be sure to go check it out. It, it's very well done. And oh yeah, a- that's uh, Megan Barra. Uh, my um, she's my art director. She uh, she's incredible. She won. Uh, she got nominated for a Grammy on Levytown, the package. She does all the artwork and all the package design. And also design uh, my website. She just had a complete overhaul. So we have a updated website it's really really great so i think it's fun for people to check out oh definitely definitely well sonny i want to thank you very much for uh, talking to us it was a very interesting interview and i uh, i totally enjoyed doing it well i appreciate it back at you and hopefully we'll see you down the road yeah yeah i hope so too thanks thank you two of the biggest names in rock unite bush and chevelle october 10th stage a Bush and Chevelle with special guest Filter. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations or call 800-745-3000. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and WXDX. Bush and Chevelle. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. 
Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. Musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. All right, again, a very special thanks to Sonny Landreth, who has joined us on the show. He will be in town October 29th to play Diesel. So get your tickets at elcoconcerts.com. I believe you can also get those on ticketfly.com. So... Head on over to ironcityrocks.com. You click on the concert drop-down link, and you can find a link right to Elko Concerts and get yourself a pair of tickets for the night. While you're there, go to the contest link on ironcityrocks.com. You can enter to win one of two prizes, or you enter to win both if you like. We are giving away an 8x10 of Pittsburgh Native and Black Label Society guitarist Nick Katniss. Also, we'll throw in some picks and some other goodies. And also... You can register to win two tickets to see Five Finger Death Punch with All That Remains, Hatebreed, and Rev Theory. They'll be coming to Stage AE over on the North Shore on the 25th of November. So two contests cost you nothing to enter, and uh, we promise we will not inundate you with junk mail. Uh, also, we are on the site, the concert calendar. Uh, we try to keep that as up-to-date as possible. You've got links to... What's going on at Stagey? What's going on at Altar Bar? What's going on all over town? So uh, check that out. We invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. We're just at Iron City Rocks. And also uh, Facebook is just facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. So check that out. So we were getting into now the next segment of our producer series. What goes on in the recording studio? Uh, I think an awesome series we've been doing so far featuring Aaron, uh, one of our co-hosts, and Tony of uh, Total Music and Entertainment. Uh, They can be found at tmentertainment.com. This segment, what goes on in the mixing process? You've gone in. You've got your drummer. He's got his... uh, recording in time your guitarist managed to do everything in tune and not uh, get a lot of string squeak etc now what do you do you know a lot of bands i think just may hey, make my part louder make his part louder uh, too much bass too much drums let's hear what the pros have to say tony and aaron take it away well let's let's start talking about mixing here a little bit tony there we go um should you have a different mixing engineer from the recording engineer um, well, mixing as far as like mixing down, um, you know what, that's, that's a, that's kind of a, a choice there that, uh, the individual would have to make. Some people would go with a, um, engineer who's, uh, you know, like more of a quote unquote name brand, somebody who's pretty good. They want to get their stuff recorded good. They might not have the funds to work with that same engineer in the mixing down process. Okay. Um, some acts and we do this a lot with like local p- p- people a lot is they'll record their things at home and then they'll bring it to me to mix down. So, you know, it's really a choice. Sometimes it has to do with funds, um, availability, uh, things like that, but it, it doesn't hurt to use the same engineer throughout the process as that person usually knows, you know, what to expect, where there might be rises or, some falls or things like that that need uh, special attention. So, what should I look for then in a good mixing engineer? Like, if, I, if I'm a if I'm a band who's trying to you know get get the the best possible release here, what should I look for in a good mixing engineer? Well, the first thing to look for is what has he mixed down. Okay. <laughs> so, I think that goes back to looking for a good recording engineer. Get some demos. Uh, 
and see what the guys, you know, actually done. Like I mixed this down uh, after this band recorded it. This is what it sounded like originally. This is how I enhanced it. Uh, that's usually a good way of determining if this guy can really help you or not. Um, you know, experience, how you feel with the person. Uh, the mix down engineer you're going to spend some time with. You're going to do some editing. Uh, is he good with software? Uh, that's that's a big thing. I know plenty of guys who, who can mix things down but can't edit a thing. You know, they don't even look at the screen. So uh, you want a guy that's really good all around with the computer, the software, who has a real good ear and can play you some demonstrations of his work. All right. Now, what should a good mix accomplish? I'm sorry. You got cut off there. Uh, sorry. Uh, what should a good mix accomplish? Like, like what's, what's the goal of mixing down your record? Well, the goal of mixing down the record is to get things to sound where they're supposed to be, not too loud, not too soft. Um, also, does it sound right using the equalizer? A lot of people think mixing is just volumes. A lot of it has to do with equalization, and that's really where I kind of set myself apart from a lot, of, uh, a lot of other people. When you become more accomplished as an engineer, you realize the role of an EQ. The EQ is almost as important as the volume. Something that sounds too loud, a guitar solo, for instance, you know, why when this guy's playing up there around the, uh, you know, 20th fret, you know, can I hear that thing come through and it's biting, but when he climbs down the scale, I lose it. You know, that's, that's EQ right there. You obviously have the high end, say uh, 4K, which would be like the bite of the sound. You would have that too high, and then when the guy goes down or something like that, those frequencies aren't loud enough. So you would have to bring that up bring them up slightly and that would even it out a lot of people go well if i turn the volume up this part of the solo is too loud and the second half is too soft and that has to do with eq i would have never ever thought to approach it like that that's why they pay me the big bucks no kidding so so let's talk about this in a little bit more so how do you start to learn what range things are in like is there a good reference out there or is this been one of those trial and error over years and years and years that you've picked all this up yeah it's a trial and error unfortunately there's no uh one thing to turn to i was fortunate um when i had my sound system we used a uh eq called clark technique and in their brochures they actually had a color-coded chart very nice thing i wish i could find something like this to put on my site to really show people but it would give the uh, colors of the EQ spectrum you know base uh, I'm, I'm sorry sub bass low mid mid high mid and all the way up to your you know treble and it would actually give a uh, graphical representation of a note um, what a lot of people don't know is uh, say the a string on your guitar the one right above your e string the fifth string yeah. that's an a note that a is 440 and that's exactly 440 hertz on your eq when an orchestra tunes they tune to what's called a 440 a you may have noticed on a guitar tuner sometimes too um there's the number 440 for that but yeah. you're tuning to an a and that's a 440 a and that's actually 440 hertz on the EQ. Okay. 
So every note has a corresponding frequency to the equalizer. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I guess let me ask this then. So taking that a step further, then you have like parametric EQs and shelving EQs that let you kind of affect a general range, a frequency range then. Is that how that works? Yeah. Like a parametric would be something if, if you have um, – a singer, a guitar player, again, as we discussed with, you know, and you have one frequency area that needs adjusted, parametric is probably the best way to go because then you can dip in the middle of the uh, area that's, that, that you need to adjust and then you would have a slight variance on either side, lower or higher, and it would be like a V shape. Um, if you need to adjust, say, a whole program, a whole band or a drum kit or something, your best bet is to just use your regular graphic EQ. Okay. Uh, 31 band EQ, that's, that's the way to go. And um, a lot of people uh, lose sight of this, especially uh, nowadays because software doesn't use 31 band EQs. There, sometimes you can insert a 10 band EQ or something like that. And, you know, I've, I've actually ended up inserting three 10-band EQs just to get all 31 bands uh, c covered because, you know, what I've got at EQ is just uh, crazy, you know. So it's, wow. uh, sometimes you have to uh, have all those bands to make something actually sound the way it's supposed to sound. And, again, that, that goes with learning how to work in EQ, the bass, the mid, and the treble and, uh, in order to get your sound to sound right. This is probably a loaded question a little bit, but could could you describe or I guess kind of give us like a quick breakdown between the difference between the graphic EQ, the parametric EQ, and a shelving EQ? Well, uh, we'll start with the shelving EQ you can have on a graphic or a parametric. And basically what a shelving EQ does is usually it'll have a switch or a setting in the case of software that um, there's uh, a flat line it followed by either on the left or right side of that line, an angle going down. And what that means is the frequencies that you're adjusting, uh, we'll say shelving, um, we'll say if we're EQing something in the bass range, if I'm shelving something and I'm adjusting something at about 100 hertz, that's about your bass right there. Um, if I pull down 100 hertz 3 dB, if I'm using a base shelf EQ, then the frequencies under 100 decibels would get swooped on as well, just the, the way that the angle is um, off of the straight line there. As far as a parametric <clears throat> or graphic EQ, a parametric is more for precise editing. If you have one sound one frequency that's really just crazy. Uh, you might have a hiss or the S. Sometimes when you're recording vocals, uh, parametric is real good for that. You can eliminate your S. Um, they have software programs called a de-esser. Yeah. That's usually just a parametric EQ adjusted at 4K up to about 10K. That eliminates the S. Uh, graphic EQ is the way to go because you can adjust any frequency. So... Uh, you're not limited to just, you know, one frequency or something. You can adjust the full spectrum. Wow, okay. 
And I guess one last question on mixing and then we'll move to mastering. How about the difference between, or I guess what is rather, um, a high-pass filter and a low-pass filter? Well, low-pass filter will let the low frequencies pass through. A high-pass will let the high frequencies pass through. So uh, if you're EQing something in the mid-range, you want it just to adjust the mid-range and let the highs pass, you would put the high-pass filter on, and then you would only adjust the mid-frequencies and let the highs pass through. Same thing with the low. So if I'm having a problem with something that's too basic, because one of the things that I, that I have picked up over the years is to EQ the frequencies you can't hear, right? Not just things you can't hear, but things you can't hear. Yeah, so that's in the sub. I like, like something I would probably want a high-pass filter on would be like vocals, because obviously like my vocals aren't going to get down as low as like a bass guitar. So if I put a high-pass filter across my vocals, that would help take a lot of unnecessary frequency out of that performance. Is that correct? Well, if I understood you right, you wanted to take the low frequencies out of the vocals because what you said, is a, there was one small thing that was incorrect. Your vocals okay. will get down as low as the bass. The microphone will pick that up. The microphone okay. will pick up that sub. So you might need to eliminate that. If you're listening to your song and every time the vocals kick on, you said, man, this bass comes in. That's actually the low frequency of the vocals. So you would actually shelve that out. You would take pretty much from 40 hertz, maybe even 80 hertz all the way down and just round that off. And then you would find that when the vocals come back in, that sub or that bass that was there is now gone. That's a uh, misconception there, yeah. Okay, now I'm glad you cleared that up. Five Finger Death Punch. Share the Wealth Tour. Friday, November 25th, 630 Doors, Stage AE, with special guests, All That Remains, plus Hate Breed and Rev Theory. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets. Call 800-745-3000 or Ticketmaster.com. More info at PromoWestLive.com. All right, that's as subtle a reminder as we can to remind you to go to ironcityrocks.com, click on contest, enter to win a pair of tickets to see Five Finger Death Punch. So, also, big thanks to Tony, Aaron, for uh, another great job. In the next section, the mysterious mastering process will be revealed. So stay tuned for episode 125 to find out what is mastering. Uh, I've been in, interested in music for many, many, many years. I have no idea what mastering is, so... That's going to be a big education for me. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining us again. You can follow us on Twitter at Iron City Rocks, at Facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks, YouTube.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. Uh, how about some love on iTunes? Uh, you can find us, subscribe. We would deeply appreciate a review, even if you just click on a number of stars. You, know, you can go one through five. Uh, be honest. Tell us what it's worth. We don't. Uh, we won't get offended. So check us out. Don't feel. Uh, don't hesitate to interact with us. You can use our email. It's ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and we will check with you next time.